Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We are glad that you're here. What a what a blessed sight to see all of these smiling faces looking back at me. Everybody smile. We're glad that you're here. We welcome everyone. Happy Mother's Day to, to each of you who are mothers and, and have mothers and honor mothers today. Um, yes, thank you. And, and we'll be talking about that a little bit, bit more later on. But we welcome everyone. We welcome our guests especially today. Uh, we're glad that you're here and uh, hope God's going to bless you in a very special way. We'd like to invite everyone to um, fill out a, uh, our attendance sheet on each row. We have a little pad there. If you wouldn't mind taking that and filling it out and uh, giving us the information there uh, to uh, give us a record of your attendance, we would certainly appreciate that. Uh, that would be helpful to us. Uh, a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. One is, is uh, um, something, some bad news I have to give you, and that's Danny Vincent's father, Pat passed away this weekend, and the, they're having the funeral this afternoon in Central City, so uh, we'll be keeping Danny and, and his uh, family in our prayers uh, today. Uh, it's, a, it's a time of, of celebration. I talked with Danny a little while ago, and it's a time of celebration for them, so uh, uh, we celebrate uh, his, the homecoming of his, his dad uh, along with him today. A few other things that we have coming up. Our upperclassmen group will be uh, taking a tour of the Toyota plant on May the 24th, and uh, so we invite you to come and be a part of that. We're also um, uh, participating again in our extreme build. We're, we're not building a house this year like we normally do, but we are repairing a lot of uh, uh, things in McCreary County. I think there's a park there that we're going to be working on, and a um, I, I think a a mobile home uh, a park that we're going to be working on as well. There are a lot of repairs that need to be done. And so if you would like to be a part of, a, of that, there's a sign-up sheet on the table as you leave. And also, uh, this is kind of a, a fluid thing because it's kind of falling in place even as I speak. Um, you may remember that we served as a, a Red Cross shelter here a couple of months ago. I think it was during February uh, for the, when we had floods. People are still being devastated by the by the after effect of a flood, and um, and and we are part of an organization that that uh, tries to help that. It's called VOAD, Volunteer uh, Organizations Active in Disaster, and uh, there's one family that we are are trying to help. Um, their house has basically been condemned, and so we are going to be trying to help them clean out the house, get stuff out of their house. Um, uh, so that they can go ahead and demolish the house probably next Saturday. Uh, but that's kind of fluid. It hasn't been nailed down. But if you would like to volunteer next Saturday or any time, uh, please put your name. There's a sign-up sheet also. Please, please put your name there, and uh, we'll include you in, in uh, being a part of that. Uh, it's important that we, uh, that we help our community in these ways. So thank you so much. It's great to have everybody here. Let me invite you now to stand. Let us uh, greet each other. Let us greet everyone as we would greet the Lord.
standing. Actually, please see. <laughs> yeah, you would get tired after a little while, so uh, we we have uh, some something to take care of, uh, and, and that is a baby dedication. So let me ask those who are dedicating your babies to to come. Your babies. Are, are, are the parents and extended family, if other grandparents, if y'all want to come up too, come on up and uh, uh, stand here up front. Yeah, sisters and brothers, y'all come on up. As they say on TV, come on down. <laughs> want a prize? Only if the price is right. <laughs> okay, we are dedicating these children uh, to the Lord and dedicating these parents today. And the dedication of a child is a very important, it's a very sacred and holy event. Uh, dedication involves not only a child, uh, but also the parents and the extended family and the church as well. And and uh, and parents, we we rejoice with you because uh, these dear children have come into your hearts and your homes. Um, we recognize that there is no gift that uh, God gives us that's more precious and more filled with promise than the coming of children into your homes. And yet these uh, uh, these blessings also come with great responsibilities. God has entrusted these souls into your care, and their destiny uh, will be determined to a large extent by the character and the influence that you provide in your home. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about children and the responsibilities of of parenthood. Uh, I I remind you of what Moses said, challenging parents to store up in your own hearts the words of wise counsel so that they can teach their children. I remind you that Hannah brought her son Samuel to the temple uh, to be uh, dedicated to God, and he became a great prophet. Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to the temple where Simeon blessed Jesus. Jesus in the name of God. Man, can you imagine that? What a responsibility to be the earthly parents of the Son of God. But you know what? Your responsibilities are the same as Mary and Joseph's responsibilities. And, and as they did with Jesus, let me admonish you to, uh, to surround your children with love and with care. And bring them up in such a way that they begin to under, as they begin to understand that they'll come to love it and to follow your example of, of following Jesus. In this service of dedication, we, your, your church, are also making a commitment to you and to your children. Uh, because we know that being a parent is not easy. It's, it's hard work. And, and so in this service of, of dedication, the church recognizes that we also have responsibilities to you and to your children uh, to help you in, in, in shaping the character of your children. And so this, this service of dedication reflects um, our love for you and, and our commitment to each of you and our desire to support you and to encourage you and love you and nurture you as parents and as children. No. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. That's okay. This is Clay and uh, and his mother, Cammy. And uh, how old is Clay now? One year old. One year old. <laughs> yes, I'm one. Get out of my face. <laughs> Hold him up so everybody can see him. One, I just want to introduce these children. Yeah, the Lion King. <laughs> okay, and this is Carson. Would he come to me? Carson, hey. Oh, 
And this is Abby. Hello, Abby. Hello. Abby is five months. Aaron and Evan are his parents. Her parents. Did I say his? I'm sorry. His parents. Her parents. Isn't she sweet? Look, Abby, these are your this is your church. This is your church. Now my my understanding is that uh Zoe and Gray had a little uh little deal going because uh Zoe um, wanted a little sister, and Gray wanted a little brother, and it didn't work out that way. So they were working up a little trade going on here. So, but, <laughs> no, I don't think that'll work. There you go. There you go. So. You have a, uh, a sheet of paper that has a parent-baby uh, dedication covenant. And this is a covenant that we... I feel like y'all are over here by yourself. Come on over. <laughs> there we go. Now y'all, y'all come up this way here. Right? Y'all come up this way. Y'all come up this way. Yeah. There we go. Let's, let's get up here up front. And this is this is a dedication for the parents. It's a dedication for the children, and it's a dedication for the church. And so we all have a part of this. So let me invite you now as as we will read our uh, dedication liturgy together. Parents. Do you desire earnestly that your child grow up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord? As parents, do you covenant together with God to bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and to assist him or her in growing as Jesus did in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with humanity? Because you desire for your child a knowledge of the scriptures and a loving, respectful attitude towards God, do you promise to use your home and the organization of the church to accomplish this task? Congregation. Recognizing the responsibility that you have as a congregation towards each child, do you agree to love and protect them, seeking always to manifest toward them a Christian spirit? Do you promise that by giving your time, your talents, and your money, that you will do your part to help provide spiritual instruction and Christian training? If you accept this responsibility, will you indicate by standing if you are able? We, the church, pledge to commit ourselves to nurture these parents and their children, to provide opportunities for training and growth in parenting and family enrichment, and to offer them our support and our loving concern. Let us pray together. Oh God, 
our mother and father. We thank you for these children. They are signs of your kingdom growing by leaps and bounds among us. With unconditional love, we bring them into the cir- our circle of faith. Help us to tell them your story again and again and again until they imagine it, paint it, sing it, act it, dance it, write it, until it sinks deep into their bodies and spirits and voices. Remind us that children come trailing clouds of glory, not so far from the wonder of your face. Forgive us for watering down the gospel until you're just another grown-up who went about doing good long before they were born. Help us to teach the faith and hope that they will need to, to live authentically in this world. And even as we try to shelter them from storms, help us to model the kind of compassion that's not afraid to enter into the pains of others. Let us nurture all that makes them precious gifts, daughters and sons made in the image of God. And above all, as we grow alongside our children, may our dependability and faithfulness show them that they can trust your tender love now and forever. Amen.
24-hour period. And I have condensed it to 2 minutes and 55 seconds. So strap on your seatbelt. Here we go.
pray with us. God is great and God is good. Let us thank God for our food. By God's hands, we are fed. Give us now our daily bread. Amen. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost, except the one who destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and speaking these things in the world, so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I am asking you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. 
forward to that. Thank you, Rick, so much for your talent and the holiday holiday flutists. We're grateful for your talent here. Today is Mother's Day, a day when we honor our moms. And you know what? We learn an awful lot of things from our moms, don't we? We learn so many things from our mom. How many how many of you have learned some valuable life lessons from your mothers? I, I know that I have. In fact, I, 
I'm sure that I would probably not be where I am today without the important lessons that my mother taught me. For example, my mother taught me everything that I needed to know about religion. She used to say things like, you better pray that gets out of the carpet. (laughs) And my mother taught me about medicine as well. She would say, if you don't stop crossing your eyes like that, they're going to freeze that way. And she taught me how to be a contortionist. Will you look at the dirt on the back of your neck? (laughs) And she taught me and my brothers to appreciate a job well done. If you're going to kill each other, then do it outside. I just finished cleaning. (laughs) She taught me about genetics. You're just like your father. (laughs) And and finally, as we saw just a moment ago in, in the song, my mother taught me everything about logic. Because I said so, that's why. I, I, I don't know if any of you had mothers like that, of course. Uh, my, my suspicion is that most of us did have uh, a mother like that. But here's a more profound question for you. Do you know of anyone whose mother prays for them every day? I'll bet many of you are in that category. Or perhaps you are a mother who prays for your children every day. Well, let me tell you about a young woman who became one of the most important women in the history of the church, purely and simply because of her faithfulness as a mother who prayed. Her name was Monica. Monica was born in 331 A.D. in northern Africa, what is now Algeria. And as a young girl, Monica converted to Christianity, which was a a relatively, still a relatively new faith, a new uh, religion. And her parents, who were not religious at all, married her off to a, a Roman pagan named Patricius. And both, but both uh, Patricius and his mother, who lived with them, were hot-tempered people and very hard to deal with. Nevertheless, Monica did her best to be a good wife and a, a good daughter-in-law. And, and even though Monica's prayers and Christian deeds uh, bothered P- Patricius, he respected her beliefs. He didn't try to uh, keep her from believing those things. And not long before his death, both he and his mother were converted to Christianity. Well, Monica and Patricius had three children, two of whom entered religious life as young adults. But the third son, the third uh, child was a son named Augustine. Augustine was more of a challenge. He he himself confessed that he was a wayward youth, giving to most of the pleasures of his day. And one writer describes him as lazy and uncouth. But Monica kept praying for her son. And her watchful, prayerful persistence finally paid off when Augustine finally became a Christian. Monica lived long enough to see her her son baptized into her faith. and, And then she died shortly thereafter. She could not know that Augustine would, one, would uh, go on to become one of the most influential figures of the church of his day, whose influence is still felt today. Today, we generally refer to him as St. Augustine. From a sinner to a saint, simply and solely because of the prayers and the influence of his mother. So... Do mothers play an important role in society? Yeah, sure they do. You better believe it. St. Augustine was one of millions of people who have come to know Christ because of their mother's never-failing love and prayers. And many of us are here today because we had that kind of mother or have that kind of mother. And so I think it's very appropriate that we honor our mothers on a day like today, whether they are still with us or not. So, if you are a mother, or if you have a mother, or if you had a mother, or a mother figure in your life, let's stand up and just give honor to our mothers. Everyone, let us stand and give honor to our mothers. Let us call to mind 
the mothers and the mother figures that we have. And let us be thankful for their undying devotion and influence in our lives. You can be seated now. In our scripture lesson for today, Jesus is praying for the church. And Jesus loved the church like, just like a mother loves her child. He, prays, he prayed this prayer just before he was arrested. And so listen carefully to his words, because Jesus is praying this prayer for you and for me. He said, I will, I, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave to me, so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus knew that he would soon be leaving his disciples. And it's important to Jesus that his church remain unified after he was gone. Now, I'm sure that he probably realized how difficult that would be. It's hard to have a unified church. I mean, we, we, we enjoy singing that song that says, We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We're one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity will one day be restored and they'll know we are Christians by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. And, and that's true in most churches. And most churches are characterized by that, that strong sense of, of love for one another. I certainly hope and I think that, that ours is. But you know something? All throughout our history, the history of the church, we have also been known by our, our squabbles. The fights in the churches. Their books have been written about it. One of my favorite books about Baptist doctrine is called Not a Silent People by uh, Buddy Sheridan. It talks about all of the fights that Baptists have had through history. You know? We are, church history is replete with disagreements and divisions. Pete Gilquist uh, tells a story about two men during the days of Jesus who both of these men were healed by their healed of their blindness by Jesus. And they met one another and they were they began to compare notes with one another and to their dismay they discovered that Jesus used different methods when he healed them. One of them was healed by Jesus merely saying, "Go, your faith has healed you." And the other was healed when Jesus spat on the ground and made some mud and with his saliva and put the mud on his eyes and told him to go off and go and wash it off. And since this was the church, they they got into an argument about which way was the authentic way to be healed. And both of the men were so frustrated and they were but they were also both positive of one thing. Jesus could not possibly have used that other method to heal the way that they they had been healed. And they were they said in response to one another's story, there's no way it could have happened like that. And then Pete Gilchrist says, there you have it. The start of the first two Christian denominations. The Muddites and the Anti-Muddites. Now, of course, I mean, such a silly argument like that could never happen in our church, but they've happened in other churches. What are you all laughing at? I've heard of churches that, that argue over which picture of Jesus to put in the foyer. I've heard of churches that argue about whether to buy a file cabinet or not, and whether it ought to be a two-drawer or a three-drawer or a four-drawer. And then they argue about whether it's brown or black or, bra- or beige. Some churches are hard places to be. I heard somebody compare his church one time to Noah's Ark. He said if the flood weren't so bad on the outside, you couldn't stand the smell on the inside. Wow. Well, thankfully, conflict in most churches is not that bad, but it can happen. People turn against one another, relationships are broken, and, and even the holiest of congregations. I mean, we're, all, we're, we're only human, aren't we? But in John's Gospel, Jesus prays for the church. And He prays that we will all be one. 
In other words, that we will be united. And if you think about the fragmentation of the Christian community today, I am sure that Jesus is still praying that prayer for His church today. So what is it that holds the body of Christ together? What is the source of our unity where it exists? Well, first of all, I think we are united by what we believe. Or at least by the basics of what we believe. You know, some of the side things kind of get us sidetracked and, and divided from one another. But the basics of what we believe, I think that unites us. We believe in God. And we believe that through Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit, we can know God and experience God. How many of you remember that TV show from years ago uh, called Murphy Brown? I see those hands. I know how old you are. <clears throat> I, I remember there was a, an episode, episode when, for some reason, Murphy was asking the staff of the, the TV show uh, in the TV studio there about their thoughts or their feelings about God. And each one of them uh, had a different response. One of them was an agnostic, and one was a Baptist, and on it went. And But the response of the character named Jim kind of stands out. You see, Jim said that he was a Presbyterian, and he went to church every Sunday with his wife. And then he said, I haven't really had an experience of God, but I go because it's obvious to me that the people who attend are experiencing God. And I'm hoping that one day I will too. Yeah, that's a beautiful and honest response, isn't it? And it betrays the truth that, that we are all in different places in our spiritual journey. And that's okay. We don't have to be at the same place in our spiritual journey. We're all at different places in our spiritual journey. Some of, some of us have experienced the presence of God in a profound way. And, and some of us are yearning for an experience like that. But regardless of where we are, we are united in our belief that through Christ we can find God. And we gather here each week in the hope that God will make God's presence known to us. We are not a perfect people and there's not a group of people anywhere that's going to agree on every little matter. Sometimes there, there's conflict in the church, but, but when the dust settles, no matter how uncomfortable it may make us, there is a common bond that unites every person who takes upon himself or herself the name Christian. And that bond is this. We believe that God so loved the world, that God gave God's only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We believe that. And that unites us with millions of, of Christians around the world. And that's the first thing that unites us. It's our belief and our trust in God. But we're also united by our love for one another and our love for the one whom we serve. James Robinson uh, once told about seeing a, a TV interview with members of the Hell's Angels motorcycle gang. And he, he, he said that, what was, uh, uh, that he was especially impressed by their creed, what they believed and what they stood for with each other. He says, do you know what they kept holding up as their great supreme virtue? They kept saying, we are family. We are together. We live together. We fight together. We die together. We stick together. You would think that the saints of God would at least be as committed to one another as hell's angels. And I believe we are. I see people in our church doing little acts of kindness for one another all the time. It happens all the time. I see you folks. I see the love that you have for each other. It comes out. So the first thing that unites us is our belief. And, but we're also united by our love for one another and for Christ. We serve Christ. He is the inspiration of our, our lives. He is the, the living presence who works within us. He is the Lord and, and Master of all that we are and everything that we ever hope to be. 
We are His. And it is our desire to walk in His steps. Bill Henson tells a story about a husband and wife team who uh, made a significant impact on the world of science. You are familiar with Pierre and Marie Curie. Um, They were the scientists who discovered radium. And we have x-rays and things like that and and, uh, uh, chemo radiation therapy because of them. They worked very closely together in their laboratory until the day when Pierre was absent-mindedly walking down the street and he stepped in front of a wagon and was killed. Marie was devastated. Pierre had only recently been appointed to a prestigious chair at the Academy of Science, and a few days after his death, Marie was invited to take that chair in his place, and she accepted with great gratitude. A great scientist in her own right, she entered into the hall that day to an overflow crowd of people, and they all wondered, what will she say? Will, Will she eulogize her husband? But when she took the podium, she began reading these words. When I consider the vast progress which science has made, and the crowd was startled because they realized that she had picked up exactly where Pierre had left off when he had been interrupted while reading a paper that he had been presenting to them just before his death. Henson says that as Christians, we should bear with pride the fact that we pick up where Jesus left off because we are His body in the world. This is the purpose of faith, says Dan Walker in his book titled Energy in the Pew. Reviewing the Gospels recently, he said, I was astounded at the number of times that Jesus sent His followers out to do something. The record is punctuated with these orders. Go preach. Go tell. Go work. Go into the highways. Go to the next town. Go into the country. Go, into the, go to the other side. Go into the deep. Go into the streets. Go into the city. Go to the village. Go to the lost sheep. Go call your husband. Go make it right with your brother. Go and learn. Go quickly. Go in peace. Arise and go. All of those are words of Jesus. Paul set the standard for us when he wrote that our job, whether at home or away, is to be pleasing to God. And that's the test of service in our lives as followers of Jesus. Would it be pleasing to God? Or what would Jesus do? You see, we are united in what we believe. We are united by our love for one another and for for Christ whom we serve. And then finally, we are united by our love for the world for which Christ died. My friends, the church should never be satisfied with protecting its own existence. If we're here to keep ourselves afloat, folks, we're here for the wrong reasons. You see, we serve the One who poured out His life for the world. And that's our calling too. That's our calling as well, to pour out our life for the world. We have no other purpose as the church of Jesus Christ than to give ourselves away for the sake of others. I heard about a young woman who was joining a certain church and the pastor asked her, what do you do for a living? And with a smile on her face, she said, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, secretly disguised as a legal secretary. (laughs) That's pretty good, isn't it? I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, carefully disguised as a soccer mom. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, secretly disguised as a financial advisor. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, secretly disguised as a bank teller or even as a McDonald's hamburgerologist. 
My friends, the attitude that we bring can change almost any occupation that we have into a calling from God. Because whatever our occupation may be, our vocation is always to be a servant. Christ prayed that we would be united. United by what we believe. We believe that Jesus Christ came to lead us to God. United by the one whom we serve. We seek to serve Christ in all that we think and say and do. And united by those whom we serve. The world for whom Christ died. Our scripture for today ends with these words. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may truly be sanctified. Jesus loved the church like a mother loves her child. Remember that on this Mother's Day. And what is it that He wants most for us? To be united. We are sanctified by our faith, by our love for Christ, and by our outreach to the world for whom Christ died. May we always be found faithful. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, Guide My Feet. Jesus gave His disciples orders to go. Jesus gives us orders to go. And as we go, it is our prayer that God would guide our feet to the places where we need to go and to do what we need to do.